Bibles. Whoa, that's loud. Here I am. <laughs> Say you do now, yeah. <laughs> All right, yeah. If you have your Bibles, we're going to go to First uh, Thessalonians chapter three. First Thessalonians chapter three. We're going to be looking at particularly verses nine through twelve this morning. 9 through 12. So 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, 9 through 12. If you need a Bible, there's Bibles on the chairs there around you. Um, and if you're using those, you're going to go to page 775. 775. All right, so we are continuing um, week number two here in our series, Praying with Paul. Last week, we did an intro with kind of a survey. This week, we'll start with um, looking at specific prayers of Paul and, and his letters. And the goal is, one, we, we want to learn how to pray. Right? What did Paul pray? Um, how did he pray? For whom did he pray? Right? We, we want to learn and be instructed by that. And hopefully those of you that are already um, praying people, it's going to take you deeper, enrich your prayers, um, maybe guide your prayers more in specific areas. For those of you who, who say, man, I don't really know how to pray, um, we're going to get pictures of what that can look like. And, and, and so hopefully that will then encourage you to just start. Right? Um, but this morning, we're going to start with a prayer that Paul prays for the, the people in Thessalonica. And he's, he's writing to a church in Thessalonica. Now, let me ask you this. For, if you've ever prayed, have you noticed it's, it's a little easier and you're, you're more likely to pray for people you love? Have you noticed that? Or, or, or that maybe the, the, the prayers that you pray for people you love, they're a bit more intense more focused, more intentional, like you feel more connected to those prayers than, say, praying for someone you don't know and you maybe don't have a, a, a kind of a love for. And I'm not talking a romantic love, but just uh, an affection for, a, a, a kindness towards them. Like it could be a brotherly love. It could be a, a, a spouse-type love. It could be just a, a parental-to-child type love. But when you love someone, have you noticed that you, you do tend to pray more for them or your prayers, when you do pray, tend to be more intent? and more focused for them? There's something to that. And, and this morning, we're going to see Paul praying for people that he loves. And it's out of that love for these people that he's going to be praying. And, and so where we're going this morning is this. As we increase in love for others, we improve in praying for others. So, so maybe you've considered yourself and said, I don't really know how to pray for others. I don't know what to pray. Well, this morning, you're going to see, hopefully, that if you increase in your love for others, then you'll improve in praying for others, right? It's not, it's not going to be so much about a technique, right? right? Those, those things are helpful, but, but the technique's not going to be what, what fuels and drives that prayer so much as, I need to grow my love for others. And as I grow my love for others, that prayer then follows. So as we increase in love for others, we improve in praying for others. And so we're going to look at three different ways that, that Paul has us improve in our prayers, but we're going to read the whole prayer first so you can get a whole picture of the prayer. That It's a short prayer, right? but it's, it's, it's jam-packed. So let's read it, get a feel for it, and then we'll go back through it. So starting in chapter 3, verse 9, for what thanksgiving can we return to God for you? for all the joy that we feel for your sake before our God. As we pray most earnestly night and day that we may see you face to face and supply what is lacking in your faith. Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you. And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all as we do for you. So that 
he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. All right, so three ways that we're going to see. So remember, it's if we increase, as we increase in our love for others, we improve in praying for others. So what might some of those improvements be? And the first one is, as we increase in our love for others, we're going to pray more intently for others. With, with more intention, it's, it's going to be more focused. As we increase in our love for others, we will pray more intently for others. And so look with me at verse 9 and 10 again. Paul, as, now this whole letter, and, and hope, I hope you get my emails on Saturday nights or Fridays when I send them. Uh, I don't always send them. That's kind of my prerogative, but I kind of like to send them, and if I get busy, then that's when I don't send them. But I like to send them because I'd, I'd like to have you starting to think about what, you're, what we're going to be looking at here because, uh, you know, I did some confessions last week. Let me do another confession. Um, I don't like things being so centered on one person when we gather. I don't like it. It's not right, right? It's just the model we have, right? You're sitting there. You're like a spectator in a lot of ways. You're looking at people who are leading you in worship, right? Um, it's easy for that to turn into a concert. Uh, you're, you're listening to someone who's instructing you, right? And, and we're up on an elevated surface. And, you know, when I was younger, I kind of liked it, right? I mean, when I used to lead worship at, at other churches, I really battled with performance, Right? I really battled with the difference between performance and, and worship because my background's performance. Right? Um, I really kind of had an unhealthy like and affection for the attention that would come from being the person who's, who's all the wise sage. Right? Now I despise it. Like it it's, it's, a, it's a hard thing because it's not how it should be. Right? You shouldn't come and be passive. Right? You shouldn't come and, and let other people sing and, and you just kind of go along with it. We want you to be engaging in that worship. And so the ideal is, as, as, as far as models can carry us, is that the people that are up here, they're worshiping and, and you're worshiping and they're more like guides for the music, right? And then, and then the person that gets up here, I'm teaching, but you're also studying and, and you're learning and you're quite capable, many of you, of teaching, Right? And so it's not that I'm the one who has all the answers. It's just my position, my role allows me time to study. Maybe I've got some training that, that, that helps me have an edge on studying. But my goal is, is that you would be engaging because I don't want you to be dependent upon me or one person. You don't have to be because you have the same spirit that I have. Right? If you're a believer in Christ, we all have the same spirit, and the spirit teaches us, and you have access to the word of God, and, and God speaks through his word to everyone, not just pastors or, or professional ministers or whatever. So I want you engaging, and so that's really the goal behind my, my emails is I hope you read those things, and you start asking the Lord, what is this, what is this about? What does this mean? What do I see going on, and, and how are you speaking to us through this? That's how we grow as a church, when we're all engaging and bringing what the Lord has given us. So if you got my email, that was a long way to say if you got my email, um, then I, I sent you this and I said, well, hey, look through it, but if you have time, read the whole letter. It's only five chapters, right? It takes 15, 20 minutes. And if you read the whole letter, what you will realize is this is one of the most flowery, 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 you know what I'm trying to say, flowers and Lee, flowery, um, <laughs> no, I can't say it, um, letter that Paul writes, it's gushing. Right? He's, he's just starting out this letter, and, and he's like, man, I, I'm so grateful for you, and I've heard such a good report from you, and, and, and we want you to exceed in loving, but you're already doing it. We just want you to do it even more. It's, it's like one of, the, one of the most affectionate letters that Paul writes to people. 
because he's had such a good report. And, and Paul's likely writing this letter while he's in prison somewhere, and he's wanting to check up on the people and the churches that he spent time with. And, and as Paul, who, who, who likely planted this church, right, he would be like a spiritual father to a lot of these people. Just like a, a, a parent of a child, when you get a, a report of your child that at school they're, they're actually doing the things that you're trying to instill in them at home, right? Uh, even if they're not doing it at home, but they do it in public, and that's a, that's a half win, right? You know, at least they do it in public, right? Or if you have an adult child and they go off and you get a report that, hey, they're following the Lord and they're, they're giving their life to the Lord and they're pursuing Him and they're trusting Him, right? That, that stirs up your affections for your child. It fills you with joy, right? And, and you want, if you haven't heard from them in a while and you know maybe my, my child is going through some hard times or being bullied at school or they just got laid off in their job or their first time on their own, right? You, you kind of are waiting with anticipation for how are they doing? Are, are they staying the course or are, are they staying focused? You're longing for that update, and that's Paul. Paul is, has been in prison, and he's, he's heard that there's persecution starting to go on in these churches, and he's wondering, are they staying true to what we've, what we've taught them? Are they staying focused? Are they persevering in their faith? And so he sends Timothy to get a report, and Timothy's report comes back to Paul, and Timothy, Timothy's report is, they're doing really well. Like, there, there's some hard things going on, but they are still believing and still trusting the Lord. They're doing really well, Paul. And, and their love for one another is so well known in the region. Like, they, they love one another so well, but it doesn't stop there, Paul. Paul, they love people around them, even if those people aren't in the church. Paul, they are doing so well. And so Paul is writing this letter after getting that kind of report. And so the, the first part of the letter leading up to chapter 3, you would have seen him oftentimes just rejoicing. And so then he gets to this, this point in chapter 3 where he's now praying for them. And he says, what thanksgiving can we return to God for you? Right? This is kind of Paul um, starting to, to share with the believers in Thessalonica. This is, this is how we feel about you. This is how we talk to, you, uh, to God about you. And he's like, what kind of thanksgiving can we give for you? And the idea is this, we owe a debt to God that we can't even pay. Because in the ancient world, in the ancient uh, Near Eastern world, the idea is if someone did something for you that was so kind and so generous and so favorable towards you, you owed them a debt of gratitude. And it would be unheard of for you not to somehow repay that debt of gratitude by offering your thanks in some way. And Paul's taken that, that, that idea of a debt being owed because he's acknowledging it and who the debt's to. What can we return to God? See, he's, he's not, this is important, he's not saying what, what debt of thanksgiving, what, what thanksgiving can we give to you for being so faithful? Uh, he's encouraged them. Hey, he's encouraged them, you're doing so well, but keep doing more, right? He, he's encouraging them to, to live it and, and be obedient. But now he's getting to the spot where he's really, he's really acknowledging your faithfulness, your persevering in faith is a work of God in you. So what thanksgiving can we give to God? Because as we hear this report that you're doing so well, we know that because God is continuing to grow you and sanctify you, make you holy. God's at work in you. You know, Paul would say in Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 and 13, you kind of get a picture of both, you know, the, 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 the human's responsibility and God's role, right? And Paul says, work out your salvation, right? He'll first say, hey, just as you've obeyed when I was with you, keep obeying while I'm not with you, 
And then he, he describes obeying, living out your faith this way. He says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. That's not a verse that's about earning your salvation. It's about living it out. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. So you see that's the Paul saying to them, hey, you, be faithful. Work it out. But then the very next verse, right on the heels, he says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Verse 13 starts with for or because it is God who is at work both to will and to work within you or to bring about the desire and the obedience in you. So Paul, in another letter, would say, hey, I want you to obey. I want you to continue to persevere in your faith. I want you to grow. But even as he's saying that, he's acknowledging if you do continue to grow, if you do continue to obey, that's because God's producing in you desires and giving you the ability and the power to carry that out. And when Paul thinks, thanks God, he's saying, listen, you're doing so well, Thessalonians, and what thanksgiving can I give to God? So as we pray for those that we loved, right? Because that's what's fill, filling Paul as he's, he's praying is he loves these people. He's poured into them. He's invested in them. He's a spiritual father to these people. And he's hearing a great report and, and he's filled with joy and, and he realizes that needs to be directed to the Lord. What thanks can I give to God for you? You know, I... On a small, 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 small scale, I can, I can, I can relate to Paul, and, and many of you can too, because when there's, when there's people that the Lord has, has been pleased to let me be involved in their life, to, to see them come to salvation, or as young believers to, to see them grow and, and be a part of maybe the discipleship process in, your li- in their life, I feel a burden for them, and I, and I feel a different type of affection for them, and I get excited for that time with them. I get excited to see the, the type of growth that, that God brings about. And I, and I want to hear that they're continuing to grow. And, and when, I, when I maybe hear or, or see that maybe they're not, that's going to hit me in a, in a deeper way than it would someone I don't know or someone that I don't have that, that level of love for. And I get excited about, about, about seeing that kind of growth. And that's where Paul, he's, he's, he's overflowing. What kind of thanksgiving can I give to God for you? And the idea is there's nothing I mean, what, what, what can you do to repay God a debt that you owe? Nothing. But what Paul was doing is he's saying, this is what I pray for you. I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful for what God's doing. And he says, I'm also, I'm filled with joy. How, how can I thank God for the joy that we feel for your sake? And again, can, can you relate to that where, where you feel joy when you hear that they are following the Lord? They're being obedient. They're, they're staying true and faithful even in the midst of hard times. God is continuing to be faithful to them. Do you, do you feel that joy rise up in them? Here's the next question. Do you tell them? See, what we have a picture of here is Paul is telling the people he's praying for what he's praying for them. There's a place for that. Not every prayer do you need to tell them that you're praying, and nor do you need to tell people you're praying for them so that they think you're more holy or spiritual. No, but Paul's saying, I'm telling you what I'm praying for you because it's my way of encouraging you, but the focus is right where it needs to be. What thanks can I give to God for the joy that we feel because of you? That's what we pray. We're thankful for you that God is continuing to work. What would it look like as a local church, as Houston Church, as we pray for one another, if we were to at times tell one another is what I'm praying for you. And especially if it's, I'm so thankful to God for what I see in you. How would it change the way we relate to one another? How would it change the way you are mindful of each other when we're not here? 
How, how would it change the, the levels of intimacy that, that we share together? I think it would be a huge change. And you know, Jesus would say to his disciples, hey, the world will know that you're my disciples by the way you love one another. I bet you if that's something we were to start to cultivate more, and some of you do this, because I've been on the receiving end of it from some of you, right? Some of you do this where you say, hey, I've been praying for you on this, or I just want you to know I was praying for you today. And, you know, sometimes some of y'all like me like, uh-oh, Lord, what's going on? You know, what, what am I missing, right? But, but that's not really what you mean, right? You're just trying to encourage, and, and that's, that's a good feeling, right? And it redirects me to the Lord. Thank you for people who pray for me. What would it look like if we were to, like Paul, be more intent in praying for one another and we were to share on occasion what, what we're praying for one another? And then he goes on in verse 10, he says, as we pray most earnestly, night and day, right? And that could be Paul's way of just saying, I'm constantly praying for you. Every time you come to mind, I'm praying for you. It could be that Paul maybe had some very structured prayer times. He prayed at night and he prayed at day. And, and he's saying, each and, in each of those prayer times, I'm praying for you. Like you're in all of my prayer times. It could have been that too. But Paul's point is, we're intently praying for you. And we're going to look at that next part there in a minute. But first off, it's, it's as we increase in our love for others, we will improve in our prayer for others. How do we improve in our prayer for others? One of the ways is we're going to pray more intently, with more intention. Right? So as I, as I increase in my love for others, I'm going to be praying with more intent and more focus for others. But as I increase in my love for others, one way that I'll improve in my prayer for others is we will pray for consequential time with others. I kind of like that word. I picked it up from a previous pastor I had. He uses it a lot. Um, it's not one I speak of in, in everyday language, but we pray for consequential time, time that really matters, time that is well spent, time that, that is, is, is um, as Paul would say in another place, redeeming the time because the days are evil. We pray for time that is beneficial. Uh, just a story popped into my head. Um, this, this, these last two weeks, I was doing my two weeks at Tinker. And uh, so this last week was my last week. Friday was my last day there. So there's a whole new team. This is like team number four for me to be a part of there at Tinker. And um, there's always a friend on one of the, um, there's always a friend somewhere in there. One, the first team I joined, there was four of them. Um, but there's always been one friend. The Lord has brought a new chaplain. His name is Pira Tritasavit. He's from Thailand, actually San Francisco, but Thailand is his, his, his ethnicity. And um, he's a friend. I just met him. He's a friend, though. We, we, we had some great time together, prayed together. On Friday, he comes in my office. I outrank him, <laughs> right? But what's beautiful about this is it doesn't really matter about the rank. Because, and and, and I'm, I appreciate that he gets that because he comes into my office, and he's just said, I want to pop in in case I didn't see you the rest of the day. I want to say it's great to meet you, and I love their time together. And then he says to me, do you want to just pray? No agenda? Just pray together? Who would have said no? <laughs> you don't say no. But I just thought, absolutely. And, and we just prayed. prayed. He prayed for me. I prayed for him. And I thought, this is beautiful. That's, that's consequential time right there. And, and the time he and I had together throughout the, the, the two weeks was, was consequential. We, we spent time encouraging one another. And Paul says, that's what I'm praying for. So look at verse 10 again. As we pray most earnestly night and day that we may see you face to face and supply what is lacking in your faith. Paul's prayer is, we want to see you. Like, he's writing a letter, but that's just not going to cut it. 
right? We want to be with you. I, I want to I be in your presence, Paul says. I want to spend time with you. That's what we're praying. Um, they didn't have Zoom. If they had Zoom, they wouldn't have liked it anyway. They would have used it because it's a missionary tool if used, but that is no substitute for time in the presence of someone else. If you have to, fine. If it's the only way, fine. It's why I'm glad we're gathering in person as often as we can. Uh, I have a, she's like a sister to me. Um, you guys remember Maggie Green, um, her older sister Molly, same family, is up in um, uh, Edmonton, Canada. And she's part of that Grace Life Church, the one that's been in the news so often. And they are now, an un- they've been an underground church for a couple months now, literally finding a different place to meet every week. And the government is looking for them every week to go and break them up. Every week. And so they're no longer posting stuff online. They're no longer advertising where they're meeting. They're just communicating. Who would have figured uh, Canada would have an underground church like China has had for so many years? But it's there. It's happening, right? And, and, and so part of the issue is they're not willing to, to just do live streaming. Their conviction is the church gathers together whenever possible, and it's possible right now. And so they're meeting, and they're, they're wanting to see each other face-to-face. And Paul says, that's what I pray for you, is I want to see you face-to-face. I want to spend consequential time with you. And when I'm with you, I want to supply what's lacking in your faith. And that's not a negative thing. Paul's not saying, I'm hearing a negative report about you, and we need to come fix it. No, because the whole letter leading up to this is, you're doing so well. I just want you to continue to do well and do so even more. And so he's, he understands that I have something that I can bring to you to offer and encourage you, just like Paul will often say, and be encouraged by you. That's church. That's not one person doing all the work or a team doing all the work. It's I come and I use the gift that God has given me, and I bring it and encourage you. And you use the gifts that God has given you, and you bring it and you encourage me and everyone else around you. That's church. That's where you start to see the power of God at work. That's where consequential time is important because you bring the gifts together and you invest in one another. And Paul says, I want to be with you. That's what I'm praying. I want to get to see you so that I can supply what's lacking in your faith, that I can continue to add to what, what would be beneficial for you. So consequential time is, what can I do when our time together to benefit you? One of the things I often do every time, I, I'm, I, I use Tinker a lot because it's one, it's one of the places I can tell stories about people you don't know because I'm not going to tell stories about you, right? Um, so I can tell stories about people at Tinker because you don't know them and they're not going to be here and I just finished two weeks so it's fresh, right? And so, so when, I, when, when we talk about supplying what is lacking in your faith and we, we talk about bringing your, your gifts, every time I have a new team, I have to sit down with my boss, I have to educate him about what my role is, and I have to kind of let them know what my availability is. And then I always find a spot in there to say, but I really just want to be beneficial to you and your team. So you tell me on my, my limited number of days and, and, and what you think I can bring, how can I be beneficial to you? What would help lift you all up? Consequential time. Paul says, I want to I build you. I want to I bring what's lacking in your faith. I want to be beneficial to you. H- how would it change the way we relate it to one another and experience one another if that was our prayer, that when I'm with you, that I'll be beneficial to you? Even if, if it's just we're just hanging out and spending time together, I want to be beneficial to you. And that's an other's focusness, right? That's, that's get it off of me, and I hope that you're beneficial to me. And hey, pray that. Lord, I need to be encouraged 
or tell them, hey, I'm really struggling, I need to be encouraged. Absolutely, but if our prayers were, were, were intently that, I want to be a benefit to the people that I interact with. Paul's saying that's how I want to spend our time together so that we can, we can see faith faith and supply what's lacking your faith. And then he says, now, that prayer's continued. And, and up to, to verse 11, Paul's really said, here's what we have been praying. And now in verse 11, you see he starts to pray again right there in the letter. Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you. And Paul addresses his, his prayer to both God, the Father, which is amazing, right? We take it for granted because we, if you've grown up in church, you, church, you've just been told you pray to God as Father. Jesus taught us to pray our Father who art in heaven. But this is a pretty revolutionary thing. And I, I just don't ever want us to miss this, that in this culture, approaching God and calling God as Father was very intimate. And it's not what was typically done. And it's kind of how some of you feel like when you pray to God, you kind of you pray to God like he's the man upstairs or, or, you know, the guy in the sky or we have all these clever names. But all those names, they communicate distance. And, and listen, there's a, there's a rightful place for us to acknowledge God is altogether different and separate from me. And yet God is near and he's accessible and he's available. And he tells his children, believers in Christ, you pray to me as father because you are my child. And that, that also can, can carry baggage because if you don't have a good father or you don't have a father at all, you're going, well, I don't want God if God's like that. God is the ideal father. He is the best father. And to the extent that you've experienced goodness and blessing and grace and compassion and kindness from a father-like figure, whether it's your biological father or not, that's the image of God as father coming out. And to the extent that you've experienced the abuse, the um, lack of being accessible, the sternness that lacks love, um, the, the, the things that tend to squash kids that, that fathers can oftentimes do, or the, the harsh speaking that fathers do, to the extent that you've experienced that, you're just experiencing the impact of sin on humanity. And it is a corruption of what God intends. It's not what God is like. It's not who he is. And so when, when Paul says, I, I, now may our God and Father, he's, he's understanding that. I'm going to the Father as a child and I'm asking him for something. And God as Father is bent towards his children. He's got a yes face, right? Not a no face. I tend toward a no face often in my humanity. I'm just, just predisposed. You don't ask me a question? No. My name is? No. My number is? No. You know, I'm just like, oh, anybody? No? Oh, it's a song. Huh, you'll be better off for not listening to it. All right, but listen, <laughs> but listen, my, 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 my disposition is no. And that's, that doesn't reflect God. Now, neither does saying yes to everything if it's not beneficial to my kids, right? But, but God's, God's bent towards his children is yes and amen in Christ to the extent that it's for your good. I want to do that for you. That's God's bent to you. If, if you knew that, if you had a father like that, you wouldn't hesitate to go and say, Dad, can I have some more ice cream? And if your dad says, no, you've already had plenty, you'd be like, okay, but my dad doesn't deprive me. I mean, I did have plenty, right? He just knows I'm in a stomach ache or I'm going to get diabetes later or something, you know what I mean? Whatever, right? You know that if, if your dad is, your father's bent towards you, you're, you feel like I can go to him. That's what Paul is like. And now to the God and Father himself. And though, he says, and our Lord Jesus. 
and our Lord Jesus. Jesus is the Lord. He's the king of heaven. He is the, the sovereign. He is, he is the one whom all things are made for and through, and everything is done by him. Jesus, the Messiah, he's the Lord. Now, Paul's saying this in the context of a Roman Empire where Caesar was also called Lord. And he says, now may our Lord and Savior. Jesus is both the sovereign, there's no one greater than him, and he's the one who saves. He's praying to both. You can pray to both. In fact, you can also pray to the Spirit, too. We don't have a lot of examples of that, but the theology of it says God is Father, Son, Holy Spirit. All three are equal in person and essence. They have different roles. You're not, you're not sinning if you are to address the Spirit. Holy Spirit, comfort me. And you ask the Spirit to do the things that the Spirit does. Father, send your Spirit to lead and guide me. That's acceptable. Lord Jesus, thank you. But I would encourage you because our tendency is we oftentimes, as an attempt to swing away from maybe what feels formal to us growing up, always calling God Father, we want to address Jesus or we want to address the Spirit. And so the pendulum can swing to where we always address Jesus, we always address the Spirit. And I just want to swing you back and say, there's three. <laughs> he's one, but he's three. Right? And the more we learn about God, the more we learn about what the Father does, what the Son does, what the Spirit does, the more we're able to pray along those lines. Father, thank you for sending your Son to come and live a life of perfect obedience, to die for sinful people, to raise from the dead that I might believe in him. Thank you for sending your Spirit who guides me and leads me and comforts me and brings me peace. That's a appropriate way to pray. But Paul up, up addresses both. Now, may the God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus Christ direct our way to you. We want to see you, remember? We want to see. We're praying that we will see you face to face. And we know that we're dependent upon God for that to happen. Here's my desire. Here's what I'm trying to do. But I am ultimately dependent upon God. Human responsibility, God's sovereignty, they are not perfectly balanced. In our experience, they are tension. That cannot be resolved. Because I, I, don't, I don't have a desire and act on it, and then I get the credit for doing that. God's involved in it. And nor is it God just does everything, and I sit back passively and just let him blow me wherever the wind wants to go. It's, here's my desire. We, we want to see you face to face. We're asking God to help us get there, and we're dependent upon him to direct our way to you. Now, when Paul says to direct our way, in chapter 2, verse 18, he had said, hey, we've been trying to get to you. And in chapter 2, verse 18, he says, but Satan has hindered us. And if Satan has hindered us, we don't know how, we don't know what that looked like, but Satan has hindered us, and so now we're praying that God would overcome that. We're praying that God would direct our way to you. Do you pray to, to spend consequential time with people and ask the Lord to, to make those opportunities happen? Lord, I, I pray for a few more. Maybe it's a coworker, maybe it's a family member. Would you give us a, a, a few moments together alone where we can talk, where I can have this conversation with them? Would, would, you, would you give us an opportunity to visit because I, I feel like I really want to share this with them. And I, wanna, I wanna spend time with them. Do you ever pray that? And, and, and if you do and, and it's not happening, have you considered the fact that maybe that, that the reason it's not happening is maybe there's some hindrance taking place where, where Satan or something uh, that's related to Satan is preventing you from having that opportunity? And so you keep praying. God, direct my way. And then you be ready. You wait, you trust him, and then you're ready. You be ready when, when he, he makes that happen, if he makes that happen. 
And Paul says, that's what we're praying, is that God would direct our way to you because he acknowledges I'm utterly dependent upon him. I will not make it to you, Paul says, unless God directs our way. It's my desire. Sometimes my desire and what God has us do does not line up. And that's life. And your desire may be good and godly. Remember, Paul wanted to go at one point, I believe it was Macedonia at one point, he wanted to go into that region, but, but the Spirit kept him from going. Not Satan in that case, this is in the book of Acts, but the Spirit of God kept him from going. Why would the Spirit of God keep Paul from going and share the gospel in a place where the gospel needed to be heard? Not for us to have an answer to. We just know that God didn't want him going at that point, and he redirected his way. Sometimes my desires that are good and godly, and I'm asking God for they don't line up with what God's going to do, not because they're ungodly desires, but because it's just not part of God's plan or purpose at that time or at all for me. And I trust that, and I depend upon that. And Paul says, we're praying to see you face to face is what we want, and we're dependent upon God to direct our way to you. So we pray as we increase in our love for others, we improve in praying for others, and one of the ways is we pray for consequential time together. And the last way is as we increase in our love for others, we'll improve in praying for others, and the way we'll improve is we'll be praying for the growth in others. We'll be praying that they grow. And so look with me at 12 and 13. So he had just said, look at verse 11 here. Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you. And, so continuing in the prayer, may the Lord, that would be Jesus, because he's already addressed Jesus as Lord. May the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all as we do for you. And so Paul's prayer for them now is, I want you to grow. I'm asking that Jesus, the Lord, will, will increase you and, and increase, make you increase in a bound of love, which there's a few things here, right? One, why not just say, hey, pursue loving one another. Like, do the things that will help you love one another better. Paul could say that. But again, Paul is rightly focused. He understands if it's going to come about in you, it's going to be the Lord working in you. And I'm asking God to increase that in you. Because listen, you can play church. We can, all, we can all do things for an hour or two hours a week or a couple times a month where it looks loving and maybe it even is general loving, but it's completely out of my own strength. And Paul says, no, I'm, I'm praying that the Lord will increase and make you abound in love. That would overflow. Because if a believer in Christ is bearing the fruit of the Spirit, it's because the Spirit is producing that fruit, not because the believer is producing that fruit. The believer is yielding, walking by the Spirit, submitting himself or herself to the Spirit, but the Spirit produces that in us. We can't. And when a believer in Christ is obedient and faithful to God, it's because the desires are coming from God as He is working in you and the Spirit is producing those in you, and the ability to carry it out is because God, by His Spirit, is empowering you to do so. That's Philippians 2, 12 and 13 again, right? So Paul rightly focuses. We're praying that the Lord would make you increase and abound in love. We want you to do this more. And, and love for who? Love for one another, like the people you gather with in, in the church. Like we want you to increase and abound in your love for one another. But not only for one another, and this is where churches miss it. We either go one way or the other. We either love one another really well. But you can't break in if you're on the outside. Or we love the outside really well, but man, we're forsaking the intimacy on the inside. It's got to be both. It's got to be both. And the, and the order is love one another well, and then that love for others. 
Jesus says in John 13, people will know you're my disciples by the way you love one another. Our love for one another becomes a tool of evangelism for the world. That's how it should work. Right? And, and it's hard because we love our intimacy together and we love the close relationships and it's hard to let other people in. But that's the gospel, letting people in. God needed nothing from us. He existed always as Father, Son, Holy Spirit in union with one another, in perfect harmony, in love with one another. He did not need us to be a part of his family. He did not need children. He didn't need any of that. He would have been perfectly fine staying, always existing as God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And yet, he brings us in by his love because the love he has for, the love the Father has for the Son and for the Spirit overflows. And it is out of the overflow of that love that he has created people to know him. He does not need us. He wants us to know him. That love abounds and overflows. Paul says, I want the same thing for you. I want you to love one another, and I want you to love everyone else as well, believers and non-believers, just as we do for you. Paul is praying this prayer because he loves these people. Verse 13, and, and, and he says, we're praying this, that you would increase and abound in love, so that God may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. And that's actually holy ones. We translate the word holy ones as saints. He, he's not actually talking about when, when Jesus comes back with believers. He's talking about when Jesus comes back with his holy ones, the angels. There's going to be a day where Jesus comes back, and he's coming back with his host of heaven. And he says, on that day. And then, and then we'll get to be with him. But that's not what he's talking about here. And, and, and so he's saying, I want you on that day. I'm praying that you increase and abound in love, because on that day when Christ comes back with all of his holy ones, I want you to be able to stand blameless before him in holiness. That's the process of sanctification. That's the process of growing in Christ. That's the process that God began in you when you converted, when you became a believer in Christ, and that he will continue in you until the day you die. You are constantly moving towards God. Now, the pace at which you move towards God will, to an extent, depend on your obedience and faithfulness. But God will be true regardless. You'll get there. It, it may be by the skin of your teeth, but you'll get there. But it's so much better as we obey and are faithful and we experience more of what God intends for us. He says, I want you to be blameless on that day. Jesus, in Ephesians 5, Paul says, Jesus, the bride, uh, I'm sorry, Jesus, the groom, gave his life for the church, his bride, so that he would love her, cherish her, that he might wash her, that he might present her without spot, without wrinkle. That's what God's doing in us. Paul says, I pray that for you because I want you to stand on that day blameless. So, as we increase in our love for others, we improve in praying for others. Now, it would be wrong for us to take from this only, I'm going to pray for the people I love and I'm just going to be more intent in praying for the people I love. You should do that. Pray for the people you love. And by the way, I should say, we're not talking about romantic love here. Like, it can be mixed in there, fine, but if you only pray for the people you romantically love, that's a mess, right? Um, pray for the people you love. It's agape love. It's the type of love that God shows us. It's the type of love that, that transcends emotions, right? It doesn't come and go with emotions. It's the type of love that's constant regardless of the emotions. It's a type of love that's others-centered and seeks the benefit of others. It's that type of love. I can pray that for anybody. 
I can pray that for my wife. I can pray that for my kids. I can pray that for my friends. I can pray that for, for people that, that maybe they're not my biological family, but I, I feel like that affection towards them, right? I can pray that for all kinds of people. It would be wrong for me to just say, well, the people I already feel love for, I'm going to more intently pray for them. I'm going to pray for consequential time for them. I'm going to pray for their growth. I mean, you should, but I think what we are supposed to get from this is I need to increase in my love for all. If I want to improve in praying for others, I need to increase in my love for others. So God, help me to love others the way you love them. Increase my capacity to love people. And that means people like me and not like me. That means people who are hard to love and people who are easy to love. That means people in my family, in my work, in my community. That means people that I don't even know face to face, but Lord, just increase my capacity to love. And he does that. That's the fruit of the Spirit, right? He does that. And so, and so Lord, increase my capacity to love. And I think as, as our capacity to love others increases, the prayer for others is just going to overflow from that. And, and it would be perfectly acceptable to say, Lord, teach me how to pray for this person. Lord, you bring in this person to mind, increase my love for them, and teach me how to pray for them. What do you want me to pray for them? Maybe I know some things already. Maybe God's going to show you some things further. But the key is, you could go to techniques and strategies all you want, but if you're not increasing in your love for others, your prayer for them is not going to improve. You're just going to pray what you think they need. How much better out of the overflow of love to pray for them and to pray what God might have you pray for them. And so, you can put your smartphone on this QR code and it will bring up a few questions for you to process this, but if you'd like to, we'd love to hear from you. Who are you praying for this week? And then maybe if you, if you want to, if it's, if it's confidential, then just know this, there's the, the, the four pastors, the, f- the four pastors here get these emails, so that's who will see this if you send it through, so just keep that in mind. But what will you be praying for them, and specifically based on these verses? Like, like it would be perfectly acceptable to pray these verses and say, God, would you, would you direct my way to this person, that I might spend time with them in person. And God, would you, would you increase this person's love and help them to a, abound in love for others around them, that they might stand before you blameless in holiness. So God, that's our prayer this morning. That you would increase our love. God, I'd, I don't want to be a part of manufacturing that. I I'd, I'd really just would rather you do what you alone can do and produce that in us. I don't want to be a church who, who figures out what does it look like to be loving and let's kind of kind of capture that and, and, and go about it in strategy. I, I, God, just change us. That we would love better, that we would love more, deeply and more intently. And then teach us how to pray out of that love for one another. And then, God, God I pray that as we increase in love for for one another, God, increase in our, our, us and our love for others outside of this room and outside of this church community. That we all might stand before you one day, blameless in holiness. Now, there's some in this room, perhaps they don't know the love that, 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 that I'm talking of, that, that you have for those that are in Christ. And so, God, this morning, I pray that you, you would help them to see the intimacy that you want from us, that you want to know us, your people that you've created. You want to know them, and you want them to know you. The greatest thing in our life is nothing that we would accomplish here on earth, but that we might know the very God who created us to be known by him, and that we might live for his glory and his purpose. And so, God, if there's someone today who 
that's, that's not what they're doing. God, would you make that known to them that they might turn from living for themselves and turn and trust in Christ, that they might be brought in as a child of God. God, help us not to be a church that prays, but a praying church. And do the work in us that's necessary. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, see you guys next week.